Allow me to introduce myself. My, my name is Joseph. Most of you know me as the husband of Mary and the father of Jesus, but, but I wasn't his biological father because, well, you see, um, it, oh, you know about the virgin birth. Okay, well, that makes it a lot easier then. Thank you. Um, yes, and I, I understand that you've been um, talking about loving your neighbor and loving the stranger. I, I, loving the refugee, the immigrant. I know what it's like to be a refugee from our years in Egypt. Oh, you, you want me to share that story? I, I'd be glad to. You see, I was, I was a skilled artisan, um, a carpentry and stonemasonry, but there was no work where I lived, and so I had to go to the north part of the country, to a city called Zipporah. And there the governor, Herod Antipas, was expanding, Romanizing, they called it, that city, um, including building a huge palace for himself. And so I found work there. But as a poor carpenter, I couldn't afford to live in the city. So I found lodging in a town nearby, a town called Nazareth. You've probably never heard of it. About an hour away. No, no, not by car, by foot. Um, and so it was there in Nazareth, as you might guess, that I met Mary. We became friends. We after a year or so, became engaged. And then, since you know about her getting pregnant with the Son of God, I don't need to go into that part, but, oi, what a hard time that was for us. People gossiping, rumors going around. Who was the real father? People accusing us of lying, making up that story about an angel. Well, one thing I found really helpful during those months was the scriptures that I knew from my time in Hebrew school. Like every Jewish boy, good Jewish boy, I had gone to Hebrew school until I was 13 in Bar Mitzvah, where we studied the Torah, that's the first five books of what you call the Old Testament, and memorizing much of it and many other scriptures. It, it, you, know, you do still memorize scripture, don't you? You kids memorize scripture, and adults too, I hope. I, I think of the verse in Psalm 119, where it tells us, it asks us, how can we keep our lives pure? How can we live a holy life before God? By guarding it according to God's word. Your word, Lord, I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, back to my story. Um, as though things weren't bad enough, suddenly Caesar Augustus declares a census. Oy, we have to go all the way back to my hometown in Bethlehem, 650 stadia away. Uh, that's um, 80 miles for you. And Mary's eight months pregnant. It took us over a week to walk there, a grueling, a grueling trip. 
And there she gave birth. I, th- I think of what one of my rabbis used to say. He said there's like, like two stories, like a two-story house. We're on this lower story where all we can see is what we experience around us. But at the same time, on the upper story, God is at work working out his eternal purposes. The upper story we can't see, we don't see, but we know that is going on. And I realized that God had caused us to go to Bethlehem, this census to be called, because he was going to fulfill this prophecy that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. Micah, 700 years before, had said, Out of you, Bethlehem, will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And sure enough, that's where Jesus was born, as I think you've probably heard. Well, after the census activity died down, we decided, we we had connected with my family there, of course, my relatives, and we decided to stay there, make a new start, away from the rumors and the gossip, and it was a couple months after we were, we had, we had, uh, we'd lived there when suddenly one night a stranger, a foreigner, comes to my, our door after dinner and he says, my master and other dignitaries would like an audience with the new king. And wouldn't you know it, there were these wealthy astrologers who had come over a thousand miles from Arabia to see Jesus. And there are two, many things I could tell you about that night, but two things in particular hit me. One is, when they came in, they immediately fell down, prostrate before Jesus in worship. They weren't there just as curious sightseers. They had come to worship Jesus. And in fact, they told me that this was, the, this was the greatest, most important thing in their life was finding Jesus. Second thing that I remember is the amazing gifts, the valuable gifts they brought. There was gold and two very expensive perfumes, frankincense and myrrh. And little did I know it that night how important those would be to us. But actually, it was, just, it was just a night later. The next night, an angel appeared to me in a dream. And he said, Joseph, get up. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt because Herod, and, and stay there. He said, stay there until I tell you because Herod is seeking the child's life to destroy him. Well, I had learned from a year before, to trust what angels say. (laughs) And so you better believe it. We got up that very night, put our few pieces of clothing together in a bag, wrapped those valuable gifts in that bag, tried to disguise them so no one would suspect that we humble folk had these gifts uh, with us. And we took off for Egypt. The angel knew that Egypt was the closest 
place outside of Roman rule where we could go. <laughs> Did I say close? Oy, over a hundred miles we had to go. And I'm looking around, of course, over my shoulder to see if Roman soldiers might be on our trail. We had to be aware of highway robbers going across the desert. It was not easy. It was not easy. But we got, but one thing that came to my mind as I was, I was uh, going there uh, on the way, I recalled Psalm 121 where God says, I will lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He won't let your foot slip. He who guards you will never slumber. He will, the Lord will protect your life. He will guard your soul. And then I love the last phrase. It says, he will watch over. He will guard be on the lookout for your going out and your coming in from this time forth even forevermore. Those were important words for me as we made that journey. Well, we get to Egypt. We find a Jewish community um, in one of the cities. Yes, there were Jewish communities. Some of them traced the roots back over 500 years when the Babylonians had invaded Judah and then besieged Jerusalem. Thousands of Jews had fled to Egypt for their life, and many had stayed there. We tried to fit into the Jewish community with our own people, but they were different. Very few of them spoke Aramaic, of course. They, they, they grew the same foods, but the way they fixed them, the tastes were very different. Um, even the synagogues looked different. And their, some of their rituals were, were different than what we knew back in Israel. But that, fitting in, getting used to our own people, was nothing compared to the Egyptians. Oy, you talk about different. They had these huge statues, especially to their major gods like Isis and Re, the sun god. They had dozens of other gods, some with the faces of animals even. And they even considered Pharaoh God. They worshiped Pharaoh as God. But not just their religion, their dress was different, which made me stand out, of course, as a foreigner. Their um, language, of course, was different. The monetary system was different. I would go to the market. I didn't know whether I was getting cheated or not. But speaking of money, you know, it began to hit me during those first weeks that in the upper story, God was working in the heavens to arrange the stars so that one special star would stand out. And he revealed to these astrologers that that star was the star of the king of the Jews. On the lower story, he had them travel over a thousand miles and bring us these valuable gifts worth maybe five, eight years worth of wages for a humble carpenter like me so that 
we would have our expenses for this journey paid and we'd have money for food and lodging in Egypt. Talk about miraculous provision. God was looking out for us. Well, I have to say the toughest thing for me, for us in Egypt, was just the prejudice. We were treated as second-class citizens. People looked down their nose at us as the Hebrew people. Some said that was hailed all the way back to when the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh, before Moses came and said, let my people go, and then led our people out to the promised land. But, and to tell the truth, sometimes I feared for my life because of the things that were said, the things that were threatened, the threats that were given to us. And yet, again, God's word came back to my heart. A passage that meant so much to me, Psalm 46. The Lord is my refuge and strength. God is my refuge and strength. I will not be afraid. I didn't need to be afraid because God was my refuge and strength. He was a present help in trouble. If I just looked to him and asked him for that help, he promised to be there. Well, <laughs> on the home front, the hardest thing for me was seeing Mary alone. I mean, here she was alone setting up a house, alone with baby Jesus, not having relatives to help her with all these things, like if we were back home. I mean, I, I tried to help, yeah, you know, but oy, I, was, I made a mess of things. I came to the conclusion very quickly that babies are woman's work. Don't you agree? One thing I could do for her was to recite scripture to her. And that meant so much because she loved God's word. You see, we, we, had, uh, we, we had all the, the, the scriptures, of course, were on scrolls in the synagogue and, of course, at the temple in Jerusalem. Um, but we didn't have those at home. I understand you do have your own scrolls, what you call the Bible here. That is wonderful that you have not, not just one in each home. Each of you has one. That is amazing. So that you, have, you can read God's Word. You can memorize it anytime you want. That is wonderful. What a gift. What a gift. Anyway, I said Mary loved the Scripture. And her favorite passage was what we call the shepherd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't need to be afraid. Your rod, Lord, and your staff, they will comfort me and protect me. God, our good shepherd, wants to provide for us and protect us. And he did. We saw him doing that.
Well, back to my story. Um, we're in Egypt. I, I guess the way I think of it, it was like a waiting game. Okay, the angel had said, remain there until I tell you. But I didn't know if it was going to be weeks or months or years. Then one night, that same angel, I was kind of getting to like this guy. <laughs> um, the same angel appeared and he said, Joseph, get up, take the child and his mother and return to Israel because those who are seeking the child's life to destroy him are dead. Hallelujah! We got to go home and you better believe that the next day we were on the road home to Israel. You know, whether I, I believe that whether we're immigrants or citizens, whether we're refugees or established homeowners, we all have challenges. We all have tough times. And God wants to meet us in those tough times. He especially wants to meet us through His Word, the Word that we've treasured in our hearts, the Word that we can turn to to be reminded of His goodness, how He wants to provide for us and protect us. And He does that so that we will know Him and love Him better and so that we can show and share His love with others as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are working out your eternal plan, that your kingdom might come, that your will might be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Might we who are caught in time here in this lower story walk by faith, not by sight, especially in tough times. Give us grace in the new year to more diligently read and treasure your word in our hearts so that we might more fully love you, love our neighbor, and love the stranger. For Jesus' sake, amen.